Good morning. It's pretty fantastic to be able to meet together like this, isn't it? What an amazing time to celebrate. Our Bible reading this morning is from John chapter 8, verses 9 to 13. That's John chapter 8, verses 9 to 13. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Amen. We'll talk about love today, that's okay. Is that all right? Apparently love is the most sung about topic in the world. Do you know that? And just to prove that, I'm going to get you to sing. Okay. All you need is... Just keep going. Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. Fantastic. Well done. How deep is... Oh, oh. Come on, Bee Gees. Come on, who doesn't know the Bee Gees? That's ridiculous. Okay. Right about, it must have been, it must have been. Keep going. Bit sad. Bit sad. Bit sad. Um, my name's Jim, by the way, one of the leaders of the church. I forgot to do the introduction. It's good that you can be here. Um, Yes, apparently pain is the second most sung about um, topic as well, so kind of links that last song. Thanks, Lewis, for that singing that. We're going to talk about love today. The world cries out for love, I believe. And uh, those of you who were at a wedding that I was at a few months ago, this was the introduction to that wedding talk, so don't, it's not the full talk, so you get to hear something different, by the way. Um, it, the world cries out for love, doesn't it? Do you believe that? I believe it does. It loves love. How do I ask in 1993, what is love? The great poet, what is love? Come on, that's a great dance track. That's just for some of you in the room, not for everyone. Um, the world loves to know what love is, its fullest expression. 1 John 4.8 says what? That God is, God is love. It doesn't say that God is lovely, which he is, or God is loving, which he is. He says, it says that God is love. He exists out of love, he exists to love. And really that's kind of what I want us to understand today, that fullest expression of what love is. Because I think even as Christians, as followers of Christ, we can struggle with the fullness of God's love for us, I believe. For whatever reason, sometimes it's because we are shaped by our upbringing, aren't we? Perhaps we grew up in, a, in a, an environment where love was quite uh, conditional. You know, if you did something, you'd get love back or quite strict. Perhaps you grew up in a really loving environment, but still your understanding of what love looks like is shaped by your upbringing, the people around you. And I believe in a God is beyond our understanding. Do you? Whereas his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, his ways are higher than our ways. And so therefore, if God is love and he's beyond our understanding, therefore love is also beyond whatever our understanding of God's love looks like. It's bigger than that. Does that make sense? 
God's love for you, however you've experienced it throughout the whole of your lifetime, whether it's been for two weeks or for 20 years, wherever it's been, 30, 60 years, is still bigger than what you understand it to be. Which I think is incredible because that's really exciting because there's more to God than you recognise. And that today is really what I want to talk about is, is love, really. Abiding in that kind of love, what it means for us as we understand the importance of abiding in Christ's love. It does a number of things for us, I believe. We are, this is kind of the second talk. If you were here about a month ago, we did uh, Stand Firm and Abide. Do you remember that one? About a month ago it was now. This is the second talk in kind of a a, a three-talk stepping stone series that Chris Nook's going to bring us our next talk next month. Chris is one of our elders here, and uh, he's going to be kind of unpacking John 10.10, life in all its fullness, life in its abundance. But also it kind of wraps up this last part of the passage in John 15 as well, that there's this fruit that is to come. And I'm excited to hear that. But we're in this season of abiding right now as a church. Uh, this, uh, if in your versions, it might say, remain in me. Does it say, remain in, remain in me? This is about abiding in me, abiding in Christ's love. Jesus says it in the first part of this passage. We didn't read today, but we read last month. 11 times in the first 10 verses but you can imagine this kind of scene that Jesus is setting he's just been to the upper room had supper with his friends in the upper room and he's walking across the, the vineyard and he's got his friends there and he's chatting to them he's picking up this this kind of bunch of grapes and the, vin, the vine and he's saying that you are like the branches and I'm the vine and God is the gardener and that following me is going to be difficult it's going to be painful you notice that next part of this passage it talks about how the world's going to hate followers of Jesus if you've got your Bibles open you'll see that so he's kind of preempting this situation. But that God uses situations to cut back and to prune so that new fruit will grow. I said last month that an unattended grapevine can grow up to 115 feet. Well, when they cut it back to produce fruit, they, grow, they cut it back to within three feet of the vine, which is a lot of chopping, isn't it? That's a lot of growth. Over many, many, many years, it cuts, gets cut right back in order to see the next thing. Now, I think it's fair to say that a lot of us, if not most of us, if not all of us, in fact, have been through a season, either personally, privately, or here as a church, where we've been cut back. Some of us, I know, have lost loved ones in the last 18 months, 20 months, whatever it's been. Some of us have lost our jobs and financial security. Some of us are unsure about what's going on here at church at Waypoint. And we felt like we've been cut back to that proximity of the vine. That's why we put on our um, Sunday afternoon abide services or gatherings, as Andy put. Uh, they've been amazing. Just put your hand up if you've been to any of the abide gatherings. Look at that. It's great. If you're free this afternoon, come along. Please come along. It's very informal. It's not a service. It's just a thought. Today's thought is being led by Kev, one of our elders as well. And uh, yeah, it's just a chance to come together to seek the Lord together in prayer and in worship. You know, I'll seek the Lord in terms of your own personal walk, but also as a church, corporately as a church. What God, what are you saying? We put a little flip chart up at Abide. Anyone can just write up on the flip chart what they feel like the Lord is saying to them or to us as a church. And someone a few weeks ago wrote, um, let's not focus on the shiny things. In fact, I think it was Julie. Was it Julie? I don't know if you're here. Yeah, you won't take credit. It's not who you are. <laughs> focus on the shiny things, but instead let's focus on Jesus instead in this season. Let's focus on Jesus because it's only him that brings clarity. It's only him that brings the fruit. But as we focus on Jesus, we have to abide in his love, don't we? We have to abide in Christ's love for us. And I, there's two things I want to talk about today. Which is that as we abide in Christ's love, it roots you in your identity 
and in your purpose. It roots you in your identity and in your purpose. Question. Have you ever spent time in the presence of someone you just don't want to leave? Yeah? Good. That's someone else. Well, they're all leading really sad lives. <laughs> Maybe I should have asked a different question. Do you spend too much time in the presence of someone you want to leave all the time? No. Um, Hopefully, you spend time in the presence of someone you just don't want to leave, or you know that experience at least. It could be a loved one. It could be, it could be your loved one. It could be you're in a relationship with someone. It could be a friend. It could be a dog. <laughs> I don't know. Some of you love dogs, don't you? Don't get it. Anyway, <laughs> such a pain to keep. Cats are so much easier. Never mind. But no matter, sorry, just absolutely divided the whole church right there. Um, no matter what is going on in life, when you're with that person... It just feels easy. Do you know what I mean? We're in the presence of that person. You just feel like you're at home. You can just be. You don't have to pretend. You don't have to put a face on. You don't have to earn that person's respect or love or patience or any of that kind of stuff. It's enriching. It's nourishing. It's life-giving. As long as you put the bins out, it's life-giving. <laughs> you love listening to that person. You can just sit in quiet sometimes and just soak it up. You are loved and you feel loved. You're full of joy. You feel filled up with just that presence. Do you understand where I come from? Good. It doesn't have to be a loved one. It can just be a friend. It could be a place even. You just have that sense that you're just there. I was reading Luke this week, Luke 10. And it best sums up what I'm trying to say. Where Mary and Martha invite Jesus and his friends into their home. And Martha was rushing around, preparing the house for Jesus and getting the food on and stuff. And uh, Mary just plonks herself down at Jesus' feet instead. You probably know this. Um, And Martha gets really annoyed, says to Jesus, Don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work? Tell her to help. And Jesus says, Martha, you're worried about many things, but few things are needed. In fact, only one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen what is better. Mary has chosen what is better. I feel sorry for Martha a little bit. Are you? Mary's duped her a little bit. Yeah, let's hang out with Jesus and his friends. You can do all the work. (laughs) But it's that idea that no matter how busy life can be, how hard it can be, how unsure it can be, you know, hands up, who's going through some tough stuff right now? Who's worried about the future either of the church, of your own life, job security, relationships, where they're heading? all that sort of stuff. Life is unknown. It can be busy. It can be tough. But Jesus still says to you, Mary, Viv, Trev, I can't see all the names. You know, you have chosen what is better. You just sat in my presence. That's what's better. Because in his presence, you're reminded that that's all you need. That's all you need. In his presence, you're reminded that you are his. That you are sacrificially loved. You're reminded that you are a child of God and that you've been adopted. Adopted is, adoption has been on my mind a bit recently. I've got some friends who have recently kind of fostering to adopt. But also, I was chatting to my wife, Abby, and a lot of her cousins are adopted. And it just blows my mind, really, when the more you think about adoption, hopefully it will blow your mind as well, is that idea that you can have this... You can come from nothing, if you like, in some ways, or traumatic experiences, and you can just be put into a family that just love you for who you are, just for showing up. They just love you. 
I think that's amazing, isn't it? They just love you. God just loves you because you showed up. He is love. He cannot not love you. That's who he is at his very core. That you're adopted into his family. You are a child of God. And when it says in the passage, abide in Christ's love, that's what it means. You are his child. You abide in that love. Not just here, not just when you do your prayers, not just when you worship, not just when you're doing a small group, but every day you live out that identity as being a child of God. I was thinking of my, my children, Emily and Obi, they're 12 and 10, and Emily's getting a little bit too cool for school now. So, But with Obi, he's still like, he gets a lot of his confidence and his security from the fact that Abby's his mum and I'm his, I'm his dad. You know? It's, it's so important for him. He can operate in that understanding that there is this kind of comfort there's this confidence, there's this shelter, there's this wisdom there that he can go to, that he's part of, that he can just tap into whenever he likes. Am I making sense? And as children of God, that's what it means to abide in Christ every single day. Nicholas Herman, who was a Parisian monk, called this practice, this abiding in Christ's love, called the practice of the presence of God. The practice of the presence of God. How are you doing at abiding in his love? In every single circumstance. It's not easy. It's not easy. It's a choice. Especially in today's society when there's so many things to distract us. Bills to pay. People to see. Jobs to do. Perhaps if you've got kids. Kids to sort out as well. And then in your, in your downtime, you know, you've got all sorts of choices. Don't you? Netflix, Amazon Prime. All that stuff as well. You know, your head's full of doing stuff all the time. It's not easy to practice the presence of God. Some of you are thinking, Jim, life doesn't work like that. Life doesn't work like that. It's a bit wishy-washy, Jim. But Mary found time. Imagine if we treated each other like that. I just don't have time for you. I don't have time for you kids. I don't have time for you partner, friends. I don't have time for that. I've got too much stuff going on. Now imagine Abby would kill me if I said, I got married to you 13 years ago. That'll do, (laughs) won't it? Do you have to do anything else? Is Is that just, I've said yes, that's enough, isn't it? Sometimes, and I'm guilty of this, we lead our lives like that. We're called to abide in, remain in Christ's love. We kind of dip in and out of it. I think it was Keith, when he was here a while ago, he talked about this sacred-secular divide, didn't he? That often we can operate with this kind of church is done, small groups is done, prayer is done. Actually, you are constantly called to abide in Christ's love. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he's overwhelmed to the point of sorrow, right, to the point of death, he says to his followers, stay here and keep watch. You know this? Hopefully if you don't get into scripture. Stay here and keep watch. And that word stay is a word called meno. It's a Greek word, meno. It's the same word that we've got in our passage, abide. Jesus is asking, and this is what it means, stay, is to continue to be present. Do not depart. Stay here, do not depart. Continue to be present. What did they do when he left them? When they came back, what were they doing? They were sleeping, weren't they? They fell asleep. Jesus says, couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Couldn't you be present? Couldn't you not just, no, don't depart from me? So cut yourself some slack. His disciples didn't do too great at this. But Jesus asks you and us in this season, and I think beyond this season, it should be all the time, to not depart, to remain in his love. Continue in his love. Continue to be present through his word. Now, if my words remain in you, the first part of this passage. How are you doing, church, at reading scripture? 
Get into it. Just going to keep encouraging you. Get into scripture. Allow his words to remain in you through his times of worship like we did. We're abiding in his love through times of getting together, fellowship, in those conversations at work, in those long walks, in those tough moments. You're still a child of God. And every single time Jesus says, remain in me, remain in me, do not depart. You're going to need this. You're going to need me. Could we live out identity every single day being deeply rooted in the vine? Why wouldn't you? Actually, more to the point, we kind of have to. Because apart from Jesus, we can do nothing, it says. Imagine, you know, getting a branch, cutting it off, chucking it on the floor and going, go on then, grow. (laughs) It's not going to work, is it? Go on, go on, grow. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. What it'll do, it'll just grow a bit of moss. (laughs) And then decay a little bit. You know? What are you wanting to grow in your life? If it's for his kingdom, you're going to have to remain in the vine. Do not depart. Otherwise, we'll just grow our own things. It'll become about us. Our walk for Jesus to become what we can benefit from it. If we're the branch and we're called to abide in the vine, then we get to receive all that the vine has for us. His goodness. His kindness. His wisdom. His peace. His patience, the nutrients, the sap, the water. Are you with me? Choosing to actively abide in Christ's love is the act of receiving and trusting all that God is and all that he has for us in Christ each day. Because he's got something for you each day that will bring him glory. This is what leads to um, point two. Last week, or a couple of weeks ago now, I met up with Mike Moritz. Some of you know Mike Moritz. He's a curate at St. John's. He's a great guy. I hang out with him. And uh, yeah, lovely bloke. I haven't really met him before. I recommend it. If you ever get asked, hang out with him. He's a good guy. And uh, anyway, after having lunch, we walked back to his house and his wife was there, Katie, and she was sat on the sofa and uh, she just f- finished reading a book. And I was talking to her about Waypoint and where we're at as a church right now. And we're in this season of abiding and learning what it looks like to abide in his love and all that sort of stuff. And she kind of, her eyes lit up. She's quite a prophetic person, if you know Katie. And she like, her eyes lit up. And she's like, oh, I've just finished this book about abiding. So she sent me some things about it. It was great. We carried on talking. Then halfway through the conversation, she got up. She just walked out. She like walked across the room. I was like, what, have I offended her? Have I done something wrong? What's happened? And she went to her kid's little um, play box and she pulled out um, this tent. This little Playmobil tent. Can you see it? If, you, if you're online, this is not going to work for you. Sorry. And in it, she plonked a little man. A little Playmobil man. Look. There you go. She's got a bigger tent, really, shouldn't I? <laughs> you know, what is that? Anyway, it would have worked. It would have been much more vis- better visual aid, but never mind. She pulled that little tent out, and she walked back, and she just said, tabernacle. So I went, bless you, because I thought she sneezed. But she said, tabernacle. Thank you very much. Tabernacle. And uh, I was like, yeah, okay. She went, tabernacle. It's where God's dwelling place was, wasn't it, before the, before the temple? Yeah? Where people went to be in God's glory, to be in the fullness of his glory, to be in his presence, where his manifest power and his presence was. I'm here, God would say, come to this place. And as we move on, don't we, from the Old Testament through to the New, you get to Acts 1. In Acts 1, Jesus ascends to heaven and he gives us the, thank you, Holy Spirit. Peterson's got it. Holy Spirit, we've all got it. He leaves us with the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 16, 9 says, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit lives in you? It goes from the tabernacle, 
right? To us, physically us. His presence has gone global now. It's not in a place, it's not in this place, although we're two or three gathered. Yes, God's presence is obviously here. But Jesus is camping out in us as we camp out in him. Does that make sense? As we abide in his love, his love through the spirit abides in us. 1 John 4.13 says, this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. He's given us his spirit. We house the spirit of God in us. What a privilege, isn't it? Jars of clay. Amazing. Thank you, God, for trusting us with who you are. I find that amazing. So incredible. And we get given that spirit so that we can get a nice, warm, fluffy feeling when we come to church. (laughs) Don't we? That's it, isn't it? That's how it works. Isn't it? No. We get given his spirit for his purposes. Not our own purposes. Our purpose comes from his presence. Not only is our identity as children of God, but also our purpose comes from his presence. And our purpose is to glorify him. As we live out his commands. If you keep my commands just as I kept my father's commands, then you remain in my love. So what were his father's commands? Jesus went to the cross. Not my will, but yours be done, Lord God. Yeah? He kept his father's commands, even when he didn't want to. The greatest unanswered prayer in the Bible is, God, take this cup from me. Nothing. So he carried on. He was obedient. God's love, Jesus' love for his father, was best reflected in obedience. And ours should look no different. Therefore, our obedience to his commands. And by the way, it's a command because we're not good at it. When you see a command in the Bible, it means we're not naturally very good at it. It goes against something in our grain. What's Jesus' commands to you and I? Verse 12 and 13. Love each other as I have loved you. There is no greater love than giving up your life for each other. And he's talking to his followers here. You know, we are called to love the world, yes. To go out into the world and make disciples, yes. But he's actually speaking to his friends here, isn't he? He's saying, if you abide in me, in my love, that's what I'm calling you to do. If you look around, have a look around. Church, have a look around. Don't be afraid. Take a few seconds. Some of you are thinking, oh, heck. <laughs> oh, I'm an extrovert. I can't do it. You can look. It's fine. That's what you're called to. And those online, and those that aren't here today, you're called to love each other as Christ loved you. We're in this season of abiding in Christ's love, not just for our own purposes, to remind us of our identity, but also our purpose. And our first purpose, it's like a training ground right now for us as a church, is to learn to love each other as Christ loved us. We're good with this love, aren't we? That's fine, I could do that. The vertical love. God loves me, I'm a new person, I'm a new creation, the old is gone, the new has come. I'm sheltered, I'm saved, I'm healed, I'm forgiven, I'm restored. But not so much the horizontal love. That's a bit more difficult. Often because we find ourselves lacking ourselves, maybe. Or we don't know how to love other people. Or perhaps we feel like we should be loved first. Or perhaps you think, I can't love them, they're annoying. <laughs> right? Look at what they're wearing, they're so annoying. Or they're really old, or they're really young, and they don't get me, and I don't get them, they don't like my song choices, I don't like their song choices, or whatever it might be. 
Right? I don't I can't I can't love them because I can't forgive them for something that they've done or that they've said. We put so many conditions on love. I'm just so thankful that Jesus doesn't do it for us. Aren't you? If you went, I can't love I can't love Flavio because he wears a hat in church. It's bonkers. Take your hat off, son. Don't. It's fine. <laughs> I can't love this person because they did this. They said that. Jesus went, oh, I love you anyway. And we're meant to reflect that love. And we start here. That's how the world knows that we're his followers. <laughs> it starts here. As people come in and they see an environment, a group of followers who love Jesus, they see the gospel reflected in how we love each other. Warts and all. We don't just get on, it's not easy all the time. I'm not saying some idealistic word, but we learn to love each other. 1 John 4 says, We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. As in, they don't love God. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. So how do we do it? Philippians 2. In humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. And by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. The strength and the authenticity of this love is best reflected in this love. Honestly, because then you'll know how much you're forgiven by how much you can love each other. Does that make sense? This love is easy. This love is not so easy. That's why it's so important. That's why it's a command. This is an opportunity for us, church, in this season to be obedient to that command. To learn to love each other. To serve each other. To consider someone else above us. Not better, because that's an insecurity, but above us. To value the other person. And it's a struggle. I've struggled to learn to love people in my lifetime that are just tough to love and I'm sure they could say the same thing about me over many many years you know whether I felt like I I needed to be loved in a certain way I didn't get it so I I put all my expectations on it it didn't work or perhaps I just couldn't love that person because they just weren't like me they just didn't understand things like I understood things and so what did I have to do I had to go back to Christ's love as the example I had to remain in abide in his love the spirit We've been given the spirit of, not of fear, but of power, haven't we? The spirit of love, of self-control. That word love is agape, sacrificial love. You've been given, the Holy Spirit has given you the same sacrificial element of love that, that God has for you. You've been given it. You've got it in you. So if you struggle to love, because I'm just not that sort of person, Jim, I'm not that sort of fluffy person, it's not about that. It's not about that. It's about learning to love someone through the way, the eyes that Jesus would love them. And you've been given the spirit to do it. I'm going to land now. I feel like I've just shouted at you. 
Oh, I hope they haven't got that. Spirit, do your thing. <laughs> what could this place look like? What could this place look like if we learn to humble ourselves? To be hosts rather than guests. You understand that language? We host each other. We've got the Lord of hosts. Let's take the lead from him. Right? We're hosts. If someone comes in, you might be two weeks in. Let's just host them. Right? We don't just expect that. I mean, you should hopefully get a warm welcome. But let's host each other. You've been there for 30 years. It's not about whether something has been good enough or bad enough. I didn't like this. I didn't like that. It's about learning to host each other. How can I love you better? How can I serve better? That's why I'm really excited about this season because we are one church, aren't we, for a while? We are one service where we rub shoulders with people that we've never rubbed shoulders with before. We get to learn from each other. We get to serve one another in ways we'd never had a chance to probably before. This is a great opportunity. This is like a, a training time for us as a church to abide in his love, to remind us of who we are, to remind us of our purpose to love one another because it is by this that the world knows that we are his disciples if we love one another. I was chatting to someone who's been attending our Abide afternoons and um, he's really excited by them. And he said this, he texted me saying, this season of abiding must stay where we seek the Lord and his will, go deeper into his word and further into prayer. This is just a start, a seed which needs to grow. This is how the Lord, by his Holy Spirit, will bring in his new thing. This is how he'll bring in his new thing. I believe that for us, for a church, as we abide in his love. The fruit that we're so desperate to see, whatever God you're doing here next, starts with how serious we are about this season, about abiding in his love privately, in your own walk. And I hope I've encouraged you today to think about what that looks like, but also together as one church. And the fruit that we'll see of the next, in the next season will depend, I believe, on how desperate we are to abide in Christ in this season. I'm going to invite the band up. We're going to spend some time in his presence. We're going to sing to be in his presence. We're going to just sit for this bit. Um, I'd love them to play over you, to, to sing over you. You can use this as a prayer if you wish. Perhaps for some of you, this is the first time that you've just sat in his presence for a long time. Perhaps you're not a follower of Jesus. You're like, what is this about? just want to say Jesus loves you because he cannot not love you. There's nothing that you can do that can separate you from that love of God, ever. Jesus died on the cross for you. He gave his life for you. He's forgiven you. And he wants to give you a new life, the power of his Holy Spirit, to give you a new purpose as well. I'd love to chat to you about that.